We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings, the kickoff to golf season in 2023. We're back every single Monday for the next 478 Mondays, it feels like, once we get to the dog days of golf season. However, I am fired up. We haven't been talking about golf in a very long time, so it's time for the 2023 season preview. Going to talk about all of the majors, all the odds presented by DraftKingsSportsBook.com, obviously. And we're into a Ryder Cup year. We have some talk about last year. Live, you know, that's still a thing that's happening in 2023. How is that going to impact everything? We're about to find out. Reminder to smash the like and sub to the channel and sub to the audio podcast for even more golf content coming your way. But the big thing is, right now, play in the Fantasy Golf World Championships race for the Mayo Cup one-and-done contest. It is, I mean, we're recording this before Christmas, and it's already 20% full. It starts at the Sony Open. You can have up to five entries. It's $125 for the year. So when you factor that out, it's like three or four bucks a week. So you you can get your 20 bucks a week up there and have all five entries into it right now. You can go down to the description and hit the link. It's fantasygolfchampionships.com. So please, let's go fill it up. If we can get enough people in this 
early, that means we can make it even bigger for next year. There's $500,000 of guaranteed money in the prize pool, $50,000 for first prize, $35,000 for second prize, very flat payout. So it's not like it's going to be $50,000 for first, $500,000 for second. We didn't want that. Only 10% of the prize pool is going to first place. But hey, it's a pretty good chunk of change. You make one pick per week. It only takes like 20 seconds to do if that's how much time that you really want to put into it. So hit the description once again, Fantasy Golf championships.com the sony or the tournament of champions listeners league for DraftKings is down there as well if you want to go get your early entry into that jeff feinberg we are back season number nine of our golf show we're almost at a full decade of doing this and my picks have gotten progressively worse over the past decade Ah, don't be so hard don't be so hard on yourself wow season nine a lot has changed both in golf both in the golf content space uh both in uh yeah wow long long time let's i don't know if we were doing major previews even back then either no i think we just jumped into the deep end with the sony open one year and we were off to the races yeah speaking of which can't wait to see golf on tv from hawaii while we are in our frigid temperatures here uh i enjoy golf off season maybe i wish it was a couple weeks longer no it's nice to no it's too long and listen i wouldn't mind it if i wasn't doing content for it but just define long like where do you think it ends are you saying like fedex cup or are you counting up to the the swing season i'm I'm counting like the rsm and you think golf off season is too long? No, I thought you, I thought you said okay. The way that I interpreted that was you don't think that the golf season is long enough during the swing season. Oh no! <laughs> I wish there was another couple weeks, but even your intro here got me as excited as I've been in a in a little while for for golf. Not gonna lie, live was exhausting in some respects last year. Uh, maybe that's because I took on, I decided to fight with bots. That's my own problem. Hopefully we improve on that in, in 23. Uh, I certainly will make that a New Year's resolution. But uh, yeah, fired up, excited. I think there'll be more live PGA war. And I just got to turn it into mental entertainment at this point. So uh, I'm glad that the Masters had released their statement about 2023. I think it went exactly how we all thought it was going to go, that anyone who is previously qualified, regardless of what tour you play on, is going to end up getting their invitation to Augusta National. And that's great for some people who are going to automatically be in anyway. But I think it saved Answer and Neiman and Kokrak are the three guys that like didn't previously win a major, but they're still getting into the tournament this time. I'm ex- I agree with that decision. I'm not surprised by that decision. It makes perfect sense. Uh, well, we all sort of, many people had um, presumed that the Masters might want to be at the forefront of the decision. I think like, no, we're in the perfect position to just kick this thing down the road again. And why wouldn't they want those players there? And as you mentioned, I vehemently believe that anyone who has earned an exemption should have it honored. Like, I don't, that's it. That's like, I, so they have, they have agreed with that assessment, like most sane golf fans and we can move on. And that decision, I guess, will be made another day. 
I remember when we first started talking about it at the time, I think it would be insane for any of the majors to not allow the live guys to play. In fact, they should come up with some sort of live qualification system to ensure that there are live players in these tournaments because it's a weird opportunity that, I mean, the majors are all set on a pedestal anyway, but this really gives them an opportunity to elevate their tournaments from even the players' championship and everything else by such a wide margin. Like, if most casual golf fans only tune into probably two and a half golf tournaments a year, it's usually the Masters, for sure, the U.S. Open, and, like, probably not the PGA Championship, and some of the Open Championship if they're up at the right time. That having these live guys in there really ensures your place that you have the best fields in the world. Like, the PGA is not letting these great players play but we are, you're going to see the highest level of competition at these events. And then you just have all this built-in drama of the head-to-head that goes along with it. Like, we're never going to see a rider, maybe we will, but as of right now, with no coordination between any of the tours, we're not going to see a Ryder Cup-style tournament where it's PGA versus Live guys. This becomes the de facto version of that, which is what, I mean, a lot of us kind of want to see, don't we? A PGA versus Live guys. Like, the only two that really seem to care like that want to get up in people's grill is like Billy Horschel versus Sergio and Westwood. That's the only match we need. <laughs> All the guys that make a ton of money on both sides of of it don't really seem to have any bad blood. Uh, even answer, geez, I want to give the guys uh, draws and fades. I hope I got it right. They had Abe answer on, which is a great little get um, for I, geez, if I shouted out the wrong podcast for their guest, uh, but even answer said at the British BMW, the only guy who's a jerk is is Billy Horschel. And that like, re- the only guy who's actually being a jerk in person is Billy Horschel. And I have a vindictive soul, too. But I don't know what they really did wrong um, to, to Billy. But to your point, I think that live or the, the majors need to find a way to quantify live. While the exemptions exist, let them be honored. But how do we quantify how good some of these players live performances are. So if there's a live order of merit where the top six can get into majors and maybe top six turns the top 12 or, or something that's, that's fine. I think that makes total, total sense. I'm not looking for majors that don't have those guys. I am worried about a Joachim Neiman as an example, who doesn't sort of have the, um, the exemptions that a Cam Smith or other young players would that he can just get like totally lost in all of this. So, and he's a player. I love how his game would work for us opens PGA championships that long and straight. Like he's been on my cards last few. I'd want him on more of them. So I, I I'm happy he can still be included or I need them to find a way for him. And especially if they start poaching some of the younger players that I think it's the Spanish player. He won. Uh, I think it was, yeah. in, I think it was in, what was it in Dubai? Maybe it was in Saudi Arabia, but I can't remember his name now. That, and that's kind of the problem too, is that like you hear this like live stuff happen. It happens in the moment. And then because it doesn't actually mean anything at all to viewers or people paying attention, it's like, oh yeah, that guy won. What was his name again? It's like, ah, who cares? Chinkara? Yeah, Chinkara. maybe. Like it would be fun to see. I think his initials are EC, but you're right. His name is escaped me, which is crazy. He's way too high on like world top young golfer rankings for me to not know your name, but. I don't know. Sometimes when you go to live, it's not cheers anymore. I know the corn fairy guys. Yeah. I mean, that becomes a problem when you're trying to develop new stars. Now it's only going to be year two of live. And this is a PGA tour 
recap and preview. So I don't want to get too bogged down by live. That's one of the things that I want to do this year is not get too bogged down by live, but like looking at, but, looking at their current schedule, how it sets up for the masters. Like some of these guys might only have like six competitive rounds going into Augusta this year. Like Cameron Smith might have two tournaments and shotgun 54 holes. That's it. Tiger Woods might play more competitive golf than live golfers before the masters. And that's not a good thing. Maybe. So you're absolutely right. And as Liv continues to go, I think they'll find a way that works best for their top players and they'll, you know, to prepare for the majors, Pat. But I don't know, like live like year to date, Liv is a success. Look at the roster and like just look at the roster. And they have a 14 event schedule coming up. They played eight events last year. As I've said many times, we the Masters Riviera it was supposed to be dead before it started. So year to date, is it is a success, but it does in some way feel like they are kind of getting stuck in some quicksand right now. Like sponsors still want nothing to do with them outside of golf sponsors, because we've noticed players lost sponsorships, but golf brands, equipment, apparel, none of those have left players. Although. You didn't see DJ in that tailor-made Christmas commercial either. That's probably not a coincidence at the same time. But some of their top executives have left, not Greg Norman, like the people who actually have experience in sports business. And they got their TV deal on the CW. I don't like, is, is, it, is that, is that actually, I mean, it's better it, than hold, last hold on, year. Hold on, but hold, it's on, not hold, Fox. on, hold on. Is that actually true? Because I heard that was a fake story. It was in like the sports business journal. So unless I've been told like it might have been fake. If it was fake, they they really got some very respected media blue check marks. Yeah, I remember I, I remember not the I, annoying- hold on. I, I remember Daniel Rapoport tweeted it out and then he's like, I really should have read this more closely, like twenty seconds later after they were like, No, that's not actually what's happening, like for sure. No, but I'm not even talking about Rappaport. Rappaport being in the golf like world still, and his thing isn't media and contracts. So, so, I'm like, talking about, so like, like John O'Ran to put it out. Yeah, like those guys were talking about it, and um, and uh, Adam Seaborn in, in in Canada, and Rick Young, who are like, yeah, they don't participate in some of that other stuff at all. Like they're very serious. Um, well, I, at least Seaborn is here in Canada. So yeah, I don't know if that was a dupe. Then I apologize for bringing it, bringing it here. Then, uh, but it would be funny. And I don't know. We live in Gulf Siberia right now, Pat. We don't even know where we're going to be able to watch Thursday, Friday live coverage. Well, this is a problem for anyone internationally right now. And listen, Americans, I get it. You can watch it on ESPN Plus. Uh, your little american centric must be the same in the rest of the world thinking uh, that doesn't actually apply because we had to get our lot pga tour live and everything that is the the same product that you watch but we don't have espn plus in order to go get that and to stream everything during the day so we were getting it through golf tv to golf.tv internationally i believe it was the same almost everywhere worldwide that the international rights belong to golf.tv uh, and now that they've given that up there is no one who has jumped on board yet as the p- place where we can go internationally to watch a lot of the stuff i would guess DeZone is the one who ends up picking it up DeZone right now has live yeah but youtube has live <laughs> no you're right i'm sure if pga <laughs> said they would dump they would dump 
um, they if, would dump live to be able to get that PGA Thursday, Friday coverage back. You're, you're absolutely right. I'm just saying is the season Hawaii's a couple weeks away and then we're off and running and we have no idea how we're watching golf on Thursday, Friday, early days right now. People like you and I and the rest of the international landscape before we do live, leave, live. I fully expect that they're going to sign seven, eight, ten new guys this year. Like, they're not stopping. They didn't just spend what they spent last year to not do it again this year. Who do you think goes? Do you think the Cantley-Xander stuff is real? Like, I'm good. Give him Patrick Cantley. I'm I'm fine with never watching Patrick Cantley line up 20 minutes over a shot again. As we've joked, there are filing cabinets with more personality than Patrick Cantley. He should really turn it like he seems kind of like a jerk. I wish he would lean into that a little bit more. He could be now that Patrick Reed is gone. Like we need a villain on the PGA tour. And I think like arrogant Morgan Stanley, Patrick Cantley, who's just kind of a jerk to everyone. Be great. Then I would get on board with Patrick Cantley. Like, oh, I'm intentionally taking all this time just to piss you off, pal. Yeah, it's true. And like make good on the hot mics like he did on that uh, tea in Hawaii. Yeah. A couple of years ago, calling those guys jerks out in front of them. He wanted his my tie, but yeah, no, he could literally. He's tried to play the 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 uh, face role. He could, yeah, just go full heel on us. We we need that in the landscape. You are not wrong about that one bit, Pat. Um, Xander has always said, and I kind of want to believe him. He he said, like every time, his only answer was, "I will play where the best golf tournaments in the world are." So he's like, if Liv has the best golf tournaments in five years, I will probably be on Liv. Right now, those still remain on the PGA Tour. Uh, so, but but yeah, the, they seem like the two most likely high end players because it does seem like that um, the big group at the top really does seem locked in, and they're able to capitalize on so many other. PGA ventures like this virtual thing now that they're getting more money than they ever got. And they're happy also clearly. I, I'm actually surprised that no one has jumped on the live TV deal yet, which is how, because it would be so cheap. Like they're trying to actively pay. They were paying FS one to put it on their airwaves and they were trying to sell ads to recoup some of that money. Like if that is free programming for one of these large networks and the only thing that anyone wants, and they're producing it all. Like it's no cost to the network to run live sports for four and a half hours. I mean, someone's got ads, man. So I get that. I think I get that it's ads, but someone's got to jump on this. Like if they're like, what's the difference between the ads? If they're going to pay you or the because you have live on FS1, does that mean other companies aren't going to advertise on FS1? Find that hard to believe. You are 100 percent right. And I don't know all the inner workings. And I totally agree with you in this world now where everything's a content play. It's just all a content play. You're telling me like just you're telling me that you don't want to put Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, Phil Mickelson, Cam Smith on your TV for free. Because I, I always go back to it like, you know, and it's an easy mark in my head. My dad is the prototype that golf TV is for. He doesn't have a lineup. He's not using the app. He doesn't give a shit. He doesn't have a bet. He can afford the cars and the, and the and the dick pills and the heart pills and whatever else they're trying to sell him and, and the watches that they're trying to sell him during a commercial. Um, 
but I don't, I don't know. He would stop. My point being is he would stop and watch if he was flicking his channels and Dustin Johnson was lining up a shot. If Phil Mickelson was lining up a chip, if Brooks, if Bryson DeChambeau was lining up a drive or teeing up, like we would watch, I would sit there and watch that. So I totally agree why, like how no one is bit on what seems to be incredible value based content and the fact that they are pretty much trying to give it away for free. But I don't know, maybe they don't want to run 70 my pillow commercials during it. Like, I don't know what the ripple effects of that is. I at mean, this point. That, that's a really good point of like, if now it's up to live and the live marketing team to sell the advertising, what in God's name are you going to end up with on your airwaves? And then it reflects very poorly on you. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are sponsors out there saying, hey, if you put this on your airwaves that we're not going to do it. I, I do think that would be far-fetched because ultimately it comes down to money. And you know, if that's, if they're going to give them better rates or whatever it might be across all Fox platforms, like, yeah, you got to deal with some live on FS1. But as a part of your bulk buy on Fox News and Fox Sports and regular Fox, well, then you're just going to have to suck it up a little bit. Look at the stuff people stop and watch on Golf Channel. (laughs) Just because someone is hitting a golf ball. And then think of the players who are on live. Even if you don't like the format and you don't like the teams and you don't like their in shorts, like... I like the shorts. You know, I, I do agree. The no, short, I, I, I agree. I the, like short, the shorts visually looks really, really weird. However, I couldn't imagine just playing in pants all the time, especially in like Rod or wherever the hell that they go play. That's like sweltering hot all the time. So yeah, I um totally agree. I mean, we watch these old. Yeah, we totally agree. Live also some really like funny behind the scenes like web content like following around patrick reed's family which i'm forever indebted to them too because well, i'm just a, i'm obsessed with how that whole crew operates and the ambiance for which they make every move we didn't want to talk too much about live on a pga tour recap and here we are 20 minutes in only talking about live so let's get I thought a- it was a major preview not well, recap i don't have we're, we're doing both we're, we're back we're excited okay. to talk about golf we, we are going to break down each of the majors so well i mean what the odds are currently last thing on this i and maybe this goes the same thing with the tv networks but i'm shocked that there's no international sports book that would get involved with them because that's one way to kind of supercharge as we've seen with every other tv network on at least in north america if you've been watching every second ad is a sports gambling ad shout out DraftKings for spending all that money you know, you can, you can pay Pat. That's fine. You can pay Jeff too. And hey, get, get us some nice bonuses in there, but maybe it's not DraftKings or FanDuel or wherever. Uh, Bars, I mean, Barstool might actually be a pretty good fit, but like bet MGM's not getting on board with these guys, but if you could have an official betting partner of live and maybe sell it to their app in a weird way, like if that's going to be, if you're going to be able to buy time on FS1 or CW or whatever it might be within North America, you can also just hypothetically say DraftKings. I'm not saying DraftKings is doing this, but they're like, oh, also, you can live bet live on the DraftKings Sportsbook app while you watch it on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. That seems like a big crossover win for DraftKings, at least, or whoever wants to take that deal. Everyone else is doing it. You'd think they would if it was being offered to them. I don't feel like they're rejecting people. I just don't think that the sports books have stepped up to do that, but it would seem like internationally on Bet365, 
I can bet like tier two Argentinian soccer games because I can actually watch that on the app. I, I really do think that you mean we talk about content being so valuable to a lot of these places. Now, maybe it's because no one cares about live and that's why there's no demand for it, but no one cares about these other sports either. But if you can throw them on an app and allow people to bet while they watch, I think you would just inherently get more customers that way. Like, is that better or 100%. worse? Than, is, that be, is that better or worse than paying Kevin Hart $10 million to be in a commercial? I totally agree. And not to drag the, the, the conversation on, but the smartest thing live does Pat is like that schedule. I know there's more events this year, but they, they strategically go head to head with the worst events on the PGA tour where it's like, you would stop to watch those players play when Mark Hubbard is leading some other tournament against some other player. You don't have any stake in. It's all sorry. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. No, no, I'm completely on board. Let's switch to PGA. 
Is the PGA broken for you? Because I'm as excited as I have always been to watch the PGA, to bet on the PGA. And once we get into week three, we're at the American Express, we're in La Quinta. I really, like, no one's at that tournament anyway. Like, Rom will probably go play like he always does. We've seen Scheffler and Finau there over the years. But I do feel like we're going to have a situation with some of these lower-rent tournaments that they're just like corn fairy events. And we saw that towards the end of last year, where if it's not a premier event, no one wants to fucking play. Yeah, that is an issue. And the reason they resisted so long putting premier status on events, Pat, in the regular schedule was they did not want to offend sponsors and they did not want to make any event. Um, you know, if my event is worth less FedEx cup points, that means that it's less likely any good player would come or, you know, so there's so many layers to why they resisted this diamond series or whatever they actually do call it. Uh, is the PGA broken? Even when Liv didn't exist and we had the 3Ms or whatever those shitty events were, people made fun of those events and bashed those fields. And the same people that made fun of them then will make fun of them now. And the same people that watched them then will watch them now. So I think so much of that is so overblown, like so much of it, in my opinion. Uh, if you made fun of the event four years ago, you're going to make fun of it this year. If you didn't want to watch it four years ago, you're not going to want to watch it this year. Like nothing really changes in that respect for me or the golf um, viewer, but it, it 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 it's pretty startling to see you know, I always said in that live battle that look at all these companies that get these shitty fields. None of them are running away. John Deere still seems to be there. They're happy with their plot in life. Well, guess what? Honda, one of the longest standing staple event sponsors on tour, like older than any of us, as all these events change names every three years, gone. They felt clearly disrespected by that schedule situation. And they said, we're gone. We're not hosting your corn fairy events anymore. It's to too, your point. And it's too bad because it, it that I mean at PGA Nationals, obviously we, we went there. We've won a lot of money at that tournament over the years, and it's one of our favorite events. Like that's a great kickoff to the Florida swing. Do you think that they will continue to run a tournament there? Or do you think that they'll have to try to elevate they should be elevating that course? Like that's one of the most fun courses of the year to go to yeah. because it's so random, it's so hard, but losing its title sponsor is just a tough look. Tough look. And I don't know because the offices that were there, I think left and went to Austin. Um, so if the event that's there also leaves, that would be really sad. And you said it, we love that event. And what I love about it the most, Pat, is, and year after year, it proves itself to be true. It's like the, it's the beginning of the international, like the, it's like an, I don't know how to put it, but for us, like guys that are so deep in the weeds in golf, like, there's just so much international flair. The field almost feels like it's 60% international. It's where all those guys sort of come and start their quest to the masters and their seasons. I, I like it and I like what it represents, but it doesn't have enough big game names. And now, you know, Ricky Fowler's not a star. Brooks Kepka's gone. Um, so sort of guys that were, you know, could give it some cachet in, in some respects don't participate in it anymore. It's too bad because I really enjoyed that one. And you are right. It's the kickoff to the Masters, essentially. And it's a hard tournament. Like, that course is hard. And there are so few difficult courses that we see in the run 
of the season that that one being somewhat in jeopardy it's not going anywhere in the short term but if we were to lose that and they placed it with tpc bunny ranch again or whatever the hell that was called it was like okay great the europeans would win a Ryder cup there yes and they played one there i think raymond floyd was the captain if i if i'm correct uh they've had a Ryder cup there they've had a a, a pga championship there but under the new constraints or under the new form of USA golf, they would never play a Ryder cup. It would be like the worst last worst place on earth for USA golf to USGA to go play a Ryder cup today. Are you surprised that the PGA didn't bake in any bye weeks to any of this? Like, do we need to have the Zurich classic anymore? I, I know you have to appease the sponsors and if Zurich is going to stay on board with you, then you have to run out this contract, but Pick, picking a few spots where there is no golf for a week, I don't think is the worst thing in the world. We always say this. It would be really healthy if maybe the week before or after the Masters they took off. Maybe the week no, – I shouldn't I, I, I say think that, that, but – Well, that one's two weeks after the Masters. I think that's a nice one because we, we have this little run where you play at Augusta – uh, sea Island is super close. The Heritage is a very old tournament. It's a different style of tournament. It's one, with one of your major sponsors in terms of RBC. It's my favorite tournament of the year, so I definitely want to see it the week after the Masters. But it feels like more people are playing in it now than they used to. It's not like, oh, I played at Augusta. I can't play the next week. There are people going to play. And then I believe the next week, it's the Zurich team event, or there's something in between there. Like, just get rid of that one. Like, push that one back. Yeah, I mean, you could still hope you could find a way to... You don't want to bail on a company or a corporate sponsor that wants to be involved with you. Uh, and from a betting perspective, I don't mind that as all, at all because like match play, like anything that changes up the sort of pace or the feel, like I'm always in favor of because as Adam Scott famously said, like eight to 10 of these events mean anything, mean something. You could do whatever you wanted with about 40 of them, 30 of them. You could do whatever you wanted with them. So I would have no issue with them changing it up. And and yes, to piggyback on your point, this new modern player, the past player kind of always took the Tiger approach. Like Tiger didn't play before majors. I'm not playing before majors. This new younger player, Pat, we've seen an influx of players that take almost the Mickelson approach. And that note, like the key is to be in form. But when I get in form, I stay hot for a while. So I want to play before majors and I want to play after majors now if I'm playing well. Like you don't win and not win it. We see guys carry just, you know, go absolutely scorching and, and keep playing and play any chance that they that they get. And they don't want to peak. They've almost realized that it's a, how do you put this? You can't just peak at the majors. But if you get hot before the majors, your form is very likely to continue into into it. Um, yeah, so I get it. And we're at the masters. I don't have a bet yet. I don't have a bet yet either. Uh, well, I did want to wait to see who was actually playing because as I learned the hard way about seven years ago, when we were first really just was seven or eight years ago. Anyway, I bet Gary Woodland to win the open championship and then he didn't qualify. I was like, Oh good. I'll re re get my money refunded. It's like, Oh no, that's a futures bet, sir. Uh, that's not a week of bet. You do not get refunded on that. We shall be taking your money. I was like, Oh, that was a bad idea. I should wait till the guy. There's so much competition now in the market. They, they would give it they, back. They want your goodwill. That I'm kind of like would almost. I'm kind of like Cam though. I I never want to be one of those people that looks like a little bitch online, being like, "Oh, I lost my bet. I have my money back." Like I get why we're people from, do it. I, I get I get why people do it, but like it's a real bad look. 
Like, oh, my, my running back got hurt. Can I have my prop bet back because I bet over? You bet fucking over. Like, he didn't go over. He got hurt. It's part of the game. Yeah. I think we're of an age where we wouldn't even think to even, like, our brain doesn't even go there. Like, we're from a place, a time where we would get, like, the the chat or the customer service would tell us to straight, like, fu- like fuck off. Like, <laughs> yeah. what are you even talking about? Go away. Yeah. So our brain can't even commute this new nice guy give back world that these kids get a play in. I, I get, I and get, I can't believe I, I'm I get, so happy. Sorry, I was gonna say I get why sports books do it, and listen, if they want to mass do it, but like individual people complaining that their bet lost and they should get their money back is just mind blowing to me. I hope, and listen, I hope people get their money back. I don't want people to lose money. Obviously, it's just like ugh. couldn't see myself doing that. Yeah, no, but I had no issue. A sports book was down the other day. I didn't know how long it was down. I wanted to just check up on a future I made. And then the next thing I know, they send me an email saying, here's some free money. Like I wasn't even using, actively using the book. So uh, yeah, I don't, whatever I guess they want to do, they want to suck up. Uh, that's good. And now we're in a world where golf boosts exist. Those can be good, bad, dangerous, a sucker's bet. But I think a lot of boosts won last year, contrary to perception, Pat. I could I could name you at least four or five of them right now. Listen, if four or five golf boosts won for an outright winner, you were up money by betting all of them all year long. <laughs> like if they, if they started to come around, what? Like probably at the waste management through the end of the FedEx yeah, well, Cup. And it's just like, well, if they're going to give you an extra five to ten points on a golfer and four to five of those guys win, that's like hitting an extra 50 to one winner during the course of the year. Yeah, and they I guess they played some narratives. Like I remember one of the first ones that hit was Scotty at I think it was match play. Because people were like, ah, oh, he's been winning too much or something. Like, we're just done with that. Fino after his first win, they boosted the next week because we're all like, oh, Fino can't win twice in a row. Uh JT boosted at the PGA championship was a winner. Uh, and those are just three just quickly off the top of, of my head there. So we were getting into a part, so in retaliation, or not really retaliation, in reaction to the Live series and how much money they're guaranteeing, the PGA Tour is dumping more money into what they're calling elevated events this year. So it does seem like 20 to 23 times a year, I think you're going to get all of the best PGA players playing against each other. That'd be the four majors, that'd be the Players' Championship, uh, what are the four other ones that really got boosted? The match play everyone's going to be at, and then you're going to have... Riviera is Riviera one yeah Riviera is going to be one isn't Riviera a no cut event now though oh you're right because it is an invitational I'm not sucks if that's true I I I didn't look that up but I think that Riviera is now a no cut event I'm not here for no cut events by the way I think there's way too many people no no cut events are absolute fucking trash get rid of them I agree I don't like them uh, Phoenix, Heritage, Wells Fargo, and Travelers Championship. This year are four that have been elevated. I think that rotates year over year. I really like those ones. I still think that they should have done Pat's idea and had like the international open slammed part of it from the U.S. Open on. Like you would have to adjust where the Travelers is because it goes U.S. Open, Travelers. It goes Canadian Open, U.S. Open, Travelers Championship. All you need to do is swap Travelers Championship with the Canadian Open, and you can go U.S. Open, Canadian Open, Irish Open, Scottish Open, Open Championship. And I believe that the 
what's the other one that's in there? The week of the travelers, the French open is going on. We can get rid of that. I think the German open is the week after too, but like you could have like the, the national open series or something and give it an extra 20 million to the winner of that is sort of like an in-season tournament. And those are all great events national championships which are generally played at the best places uh and you get to see a whole bunch of different unique style courses week after week after week for this small period of time like you know just make sure that the one that they play in scotland isn't exactly like the one that they use at the open championship and you're good to go i adore that idea uh but it's you know they're not doing not it. to it's, it's such american centric that wouldn't even resonate they wouldn't even like hit in the meeting Maybe, but I do think there is some allure to seeing. I I feel like that's where we get bogged down a lot in the PGA schedule. Like it's not like ratings are through the roof for the PGA Tour when you go to these like hit and giggles. And I know that you need to have some of those at these resort courses on the tour to mix it up a little bit and help make sure that we get some minus twenty eight winners throughout the course of the year. But all those courses look the same to me. Yeah, that's a big problem with with the year. It all just a lot of monotony. Uh, no doubt, no doubt about that. Like the course that they play. I agree. I love the idea. I wish they would do that. Also, because it would, you know, and selfishly with the the Canadian Open being being a big part of it. But overall, it sounds like a great idea and another way for them to sort of like make this f- like fake cash grab that they're just trying to now sort of manufacture to compete with Live. This sounds like something that could be a fun made for TV cash grabby thing. And it would put that also acknowledges the history and heritage of these great national championships you've outlined. Yeah, 100 percent. And like you wouldn't want to go to like have the Irish Open on big broadcast with real players playing in some of these awesome Irish courses. That'd be fucking awesome. And it would be good for like the the crazies who like to follow around golf tournaments or like the Americans that go to the Open Championship every single year. Make it a three week run. You go to Ireland, you go to Scotland, and then wherever the Open ends up. It's in Liverpool this year. You make a three week vacation out of it. I mean, golf people can do that. They're rich. Anyway, that's where I'm at with that. I'm glad. Is it weird how elevated Phoenix is now? Like, is Phoenix the sixth biggest tournament of the year? Is Phoenix, like, too big for its bridges now? Is that I, what you're kind of getting I, at? I'm not saying that it is, because I still think that there's more to go. I a DraftKings Sportsbook is opening up a retail on-location betting, like, spot at TPC Sawgrass, or not Sawgrass, uh, Scottsdale. I don't know if it's yeah, going to be... Yeah, they just op- started construction. It'll yeah. be ready next year. Yeah, it's not going to be... Okay, we were going to do a live show from there, but it's not going to be ready for this year. So hopefully next year we can do the week. It would have been great for this year because the Super Bowl is actually in Phoenix as well. Yeah. Kill two birds with one stone with that one. But I, it's just... It's crazy to me how much it's grown, even over like the past five years in terms of the national attention it gets it was always a big tournament you always had all the fans that would go it was a lot of fun but it really feel like it's it really feels like it's taken off over the past three four years in terms of the general golf public really getting behind it because you have like your your old fogies being like i don't like people throwing beer cans onto the and like that that became a bit much at some point but like they didn't like the raucous atmosphere but i feel like casual viewers love it yeah, the um, it has certainly hit a stratosphere. Um, clearly, like when we started doing this show, and and guys would win it. It was a it was a win. Like Phil would go there, he'd win a lot. Now it's a level of pers- not only is it a party winning that event feels like it's on a level of prestige 
that has almost kind of fallen just under like your memorials and Rivieras on the regular season calendar. It's a, a it's a premier win. It's become a premier event. They have packaged it in a way um, that 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 has obviously lifted up what it what it means, and it still feels like something that if they tried to do other places, we would really laugh at and like mock. You say right? that you say that, and maybe it was just because we are Canadian and we were watching the Canadian Open. The atmosphere that they had around that par three, I think it was number sixteen at St. George's this year. Like that was fucking fire. Oh yeah, I we do that. that. We got the rink. We yeah. got the rink, and I um, yeah, an interesting selection for the rink hole uh, this year. Uh, I know it well. A, a hard par uh, three. Yeah, it is a it is a it's a part three. I'm just it's impossible for me to envision it with the rink uh, set up. But yeah, yeah, no other places. You're right. Other events do try to take a hole and turn it into a an atmosphere. Even at the Honda, Pat, they sort of do that with that part three. 16th or maybe it's just being there in a tent with kenny kim made it feel like i was in phoenix yeah like when well, like well a south korean was winning <laughs> i'm beside kenny kim i just thought i was in phoenix maybe that yeah, may be like we, it wasn't the same we went to the 3m uh, moose and i went to the hospitality like setup at 18 that big par five where you come in over the water the one where matthew wolf like putted it for eagle from off the green to get his first pga tour win it just it, it didn't have the same pizzazz to it put it that way <laughs> yeah no stadium golf uh it's a it's a thing uh, other events do try to to replicate it and also for for their own interest of, you know, the corporate suite hospitality um, ideas that that sort of comes about. And I would assume, Pat, there's not an event that's cost more to to be able to get an on ground activation like from a sponsor than that event in Phoenix. Well, it actually ties in really well. I went there for my bachelor party and the waste management part because they have so many people and there's so much trash everywhere that they do a good job of having garbage cans everywhere. It actually works out perfectly for the title sponsor, I think. Yeah, no, I just mean like for anything to be, um, you know, obviously the corporate suites at that whole cost, you know, probably like as Super Bowl suites. Like it's insane. Um what being part of that is, but I just mean any sort of on ground activation by any corporate sponsor that week costs probably as much to be a part of any PGA event on the entire, on the entire calendar and good for them and good for Phoenix. I will be there. Probably I will be in Phoenix as people are watching this in Scottsdale. I'll drive by the build out every day because they're probably already building it out. I like the selection of, courses that they picked for these elevated events of course i like phoenix i think that's i mean it's not a unique course whatsoever but because of the stadium it's kind of it's taken that mantle of oh i know what course i'm looking at when i see it and it's in the desert as well so it gives it that bit of a different feel and it's on right before the super bowl obviously heritage is one of the most unique like events there is like even just coming down 18 and seeing the lighthouse in the background. It's a, it can be an easy course. It can be a hard course. The Pete die course. We got another Pete die course too, with the travelers championship. That is the travelers has sneakily 
been one of the premier events that players love to go play in. Like it's in Connecticut, it's just outside of Hartford. You just it feels like an absolute like scrub nothing tournament, but it hasn't. That's another one, and I'm glad it got this elevated status that I feel like has done really well over the last decade. And maybe a lot of this has to do with volunteers and local sponsors, but the players keep coming back there. Like they get good fields every year for no reason. Yeah, no, there's a reason. And I feel like it's always talked about, but it's all kind of like a blur to me. Uh, I think they do a tremendous job for the players, for their families, whatever they do to facilitate that event internally, um, players flock to. Like, I don't know whether they got a dessert people like or something, but I don't know. Players, you're right. Players absolutely flock to it. And every year that event comes and you just see stories or anecdotal notes of how much players um, enjoy whatever is going on in, in Hartford. We are not doing a player-by-player player breakdown because, Jeff, you will be joining me. Internet, you know, let's see if you have it when you're down in Arizona because next week we're recording the... Fan to, or the, we're doing the golf draft where we're going to end up talking about every single player. There's going to be 14 of us, I think, this year. So you're going to get your breakdown on every single player going forward from all of your favorite fantasy golf analysts from around the biz. But I want to talk about the majors. Let's get to this. The Masters, obviously, it's the one up first. Uh, I, I read some people's articles, their early picks on who they're taking. Uh, would shock you to know that Rory McIlroy is not only the betting favorite at 9-1, to one, he is the guy everyone is picking. Although he's been the guy everyone's been picking for the last nine years and it hasn't happened yet i'm not surprised by that one bit that nice little sunday charge for second place last year i actually had that bet i bet on rory um last year it's the masters pat i mean we could just do you could just do this about 20 guys maybe 12 and we would have the winner and i don't feel like i'm overstepping staying that one bet Here's the um, I'm looking at the odds at DraftKings Sportsbook right now, and we've begun to say this basically since the prevalence of sportsbooks. Uh, now that we have legal sportsbooks all throughout North America, and it's just catching up with the rest of the world, that futures bets on golf are especially bad now. They're like, done. That you can't make they're done. Them. Like I'm looking at the board at the moment. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty players sub thirty to one at the moment it's like, what okay. the fuck is and that it, that's crazy but it's also gotten i mean i had a fine um year last year True. it all sort of works out uh again it all sort of feels like a blur but part of me feels like i should have won more last year pat way more why because after kh lee at the byron nelson we didn't see a long shot we didn't see a long shot. Billy Horschel winning Memorial at 60, I would consider one of the biggest long shots, maybe the biggest long shot in the entire second half of the season outside of, you know, John Deere, which was only bad players. And I was mad I didn't hit Poston that week because everyone was on it. But um, good players win. Only good players win. That happened last year. Will that carry over this year? Even good players who haven't won anything that you want to make a breakthrough on will cost you 25 to 1. Like Matthew Fitzpatrick. There wasn't a number on him to win the U.S. Open. Props if you picked it, but you didn't get a number. Uh, so I don't know what to do. In terms of the Masters, have I decided which fantastic player is going to win yet? Honestly, no, I haven't. Am I probably only betting two or three fantastic players? 
seriously, that feels like the move, but I haven't made the decision. So I don't know if I lose a 25, it becomes a 20. That'll happen, but I'm not ready to make a decision on which great player is going to win the Masters. But I know, like, I'm not going out on a limb to say it's going to be one of them. And the issue with the futures market right now is that we know the week of the numbers are going to be better on all of these guys except for two of them. So I I, I yeah, don't the- I don't get what they're doing. They're encouraging you not to bet on this stuff, or they're encouraging you to bet at the worst possible number. Because as as we've talked about for the past three years now, no one gets worse on these boards. If Zawa Torres comes back and he looks like trash, he's 22 to one right now. What's the worst he's going to go to 28 to one. And then the week of it's like, Oh, if he's been playing bad, all of a sudden he's 50 to one. But in, oh. the, in the, as a part of the futures market, guys can move up like Max Homa is 65 to one. If he wins Riviera again, he'll be 30 to one, but no one will drop down to compensate for the odds. <laughs> as we always say, it's one way traffic. If a great player is playing like total ass, there's still no break. There's no break. Just as an example, like how big would Brooks Kepka's numbers got last year? Guy was a sieve. They still, they're still not putting out numbers. The numbers doesn't move. But if, say, Jason Day shows any sign of life, Pat, his number will crater. He'll crater. He wouldn't even have to win. And I'm just picking a guy. I don't even know what the number is. But what you would know you, what, what I would mean. You guess? I, what would you guess right now Jason Day's odds are to win the Masters? I don't uh, even know if he's qualified for the Masters, by the way. I don't think he is, but but I think people understand my. No, no my I, I get point. it, but, but he is listed with odds next to his name. What do you think his odds are? Hundred to one, eighty Six, to one, sixty-five to one. <laughs> They've already cratered him. So yeah, they they're pretty much saying you can't bet this. You can't bet this. The only bet, and this isn't like plug your ears if you think you're methodical or or you know sharp or everything's about the plus EV. The only bet, I don't know what I'll make, but we'll get to an NFL playoff and there'll be a a game that I'm going to bet a fortune on and I'm going to take 12% of my bet and say I'm going to parlay him with John Rom. And if that bet wins, I'm going to be so happy because I just want a lot of money because I went big on it because it's a game I love. I'm not going to think about the 12%. And if that game loses, I'm going to be so mad about the actual stake on the game that I'm not going to think about that. That's the only way I'm getting involved in the Masters this like went before the board actually figures itself out. Um, although I will say, Pat, you line shop it, you line shop it good. There are some books. Listen, they went so invasive. They went so invasive on information they wanted from me. I won't even talk to them again. But um, there's some numbers like places. There are, like but, if you but, ask but, me, not, but, to... but we're never going to find that Danny Willett 150, 125 to one again. That's never going to exist again because inherently well, he would just be 80 to one at the, on the outset and work his way down from there. Like you're not going to be able to catch any big numbers on players that you think might make a breakthrough because uh, to use the Jason Day example, he's 65 to one now and he hasn't done anything. Imagine if he does something, he'll be 30 to one. Yeah, I... I... Is it, you're absolutely right. Like to think, because I think like, can we find that Willet? Can we find that U.S. Open Woodland? Um, I don't know. I don't know if their starting point is high enough anymore. They, you're right. They sort of cut out their knees before the season starts to even be interested. I'm going to say a crazy one. Ooh. It's it's kind of crazy. Um, 
I guess if you made me make a DraftKings bet for the well, shucks, it's not draft oh, crap. Yeah, I would say the bet the best odds on the board. M at forty five. M. Why why is M at forty five? Or he's at forty at DraftKings Sportsbook. Why is M at forty better than Hideki at thirty five? Okay, you're right. Thank you for 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 for. That's a good point. Um, would I embarrass myself to say Pino? like Corey Connors? Yes. There was a six in front of it. Why is Corey Connors 60 to one? Why isn't he 125 to one? Like seriously. You're right. Okay. Well, that goes back to every, that goes, we could go back to the very beginning. Nothing is fair. Even when they reset these suckers, to be fair, nothing is fair in the outright betting market. If you bet a favorite that's eight to one and he wins, like no one should be under 10 to one to win a 140 man golf tournament. The guys that are 80 to one should be 200. The guys that are 10 should be 25. Nothing feels fair. But guess what? I bet golf for fun. I bet I bet it for fun because I enjoy watching it. I enjoy talking about it. I enjoy betting. I bet golf for fun. So I'm okay if I'm making a minus EV bet on an outright golf tournament. That's literally every outright golf bet we make. But when you bet for fun and you bet within your limits, you can sometimes laugh at this stuff, right? Yeah. No, I, I, I listen. I agree with you. I'm not here trying to grind out plus EV edges in order to like pay my mortgage on golf betting. I lost money on golf last year. Thank God Zalatoris <laughs> won that Memphis tournament or I would have been in a world of hurt. I mean, I would have been fine because I bet within my limits, but I was still down like three grand going into that. At least he won that and it got me a huge chunk of it back. That was huge. I don't like going into the year being like, man, I bet on golf. I lost 3000 bucks. That sucks. Uh, and I've gotten progressively worse. Like the past two years have been really bad for me. Well, I feel like the first golf. round leaders haven't been. Like, I, I, had, I had to stop playing those. them. I had to stop playing them because <laughs> they just they, they weren't winning anymore like everything that i sure. used to do well golf betting just isn't working for me anymore so i kind of have to go back to the drawing board a little bit this year and potentially change up what i'm doing because it's, it's just not working i might have to go back more to uh hey i actually think this guy is going to win so i'm going to bet on him and what i mean maybe we live in this new reality as you pointed out that all of the winners from Byron Nelson on were essentially 20 to one and below guys. I don't normally bet, you know what I mean? Not 20, but good players, the good players, like four, like the that pocket where you can make a nice four or five, but it wasn't even that. No, there was like the majority of winners were below 20 to one. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you're right. There was a lot of chalk hitting and you're not like you say you had a tough year guys that just and we have friends that do this in our in our community and they'll probably be guys that we're drafting with next week long shot betters got just annihilated unless they were hitting first round leaders cuz those can hit they were getting crushed they, they were never coming they didn't come no and the hard thing i mean i, I enjoy to bet long shots, don't get me wrong. But like hitting one every two years was usually enough on um, 200 to one or 250 to one. I think Sky hit a 500 to one uh, on like the Euro tour, South South African tour or something like that. That's amazing stuff. Sky did the best of like identifying these undervalued long shots across the world. He'll be on the show next week of uh, pointing that out. But just, yeah, it, it's that 35 to 80 range that normally I do really well with that wiped me out this year. Like I hit Luke List at 90 to 1. That was it, really, from that range. 
One of my favorite events of all time, by the way. That was an amazing Sunday because I had Zalatoris and Luke List. But then that's, oh, that's but then the st- stupid Jason Day was in the mix too. And he holed out for Eagle from the middle of the fairway at some point. How do you think the live guys are going to do in all the majors, but particularly the first major? Because I, like I mentioned, they only have two rounds or two events before the Masters. Dustin will do fine. Cam will do fine. So they'll do fine. Um, I don't. I don't know though. That's a that's a tough ask. Do you think that you can't you can't make that up? Like even Tiger is it, no. Like his biggest issue is going to be competitive reps. Like you cannot replicate that sort of even in practice. You cannot replicate what it's like to play tournament golf at that level. Even on the four footers, five footers. It doesn't even seem to be factored into their odds, though. Like Cam Smith's twelve to one, DJ sixteen to one. Let's see, Brooks is twenty five to one. Bryson's twenty eight to one. Yeah, like they're. It's not like you're getting a break on the live guys. Maybe you're getting a break with Louis. I don't know. I mean, Louis. Maybe Louis, a joke. I, I think Louis is always fifty to one at the Masters. No, man, there have been masters gotten like to the 28th, the 26th is, um, you know, when Tim would tout him in, in recent years, Pat. The other problem about this, and maybe this will become more of a focus when we discuss U.S. Open or PGA Championship, is let's say you think you're so suave and you know who this year's Cam Young is going to be. He's not even listed. <laughs> like, there's no inroads into doing this properly right now. I mean, maybe someone will tell me they got something, but do you know what I mean? Like that, like a lot of the players, like you might have a true belief in, and even if they start playing a little well quality golf, they're still not listed on the board. For for example, I think the perfect example of this is if you think that Taylor Montgomery is going to be really good this year. He's already been good during the swing season. He's probably going to be in the Masters based on just his performance in the swing season. I know he hasn't won yet, but he should have enough FedEx Cup points, money, and world golf rankings to get up there. Once they put him on the mat, not that you probably want to bet a first-time guy. He's just an example. But once they put him into the pool of players, he's going to be like 50-1. to one. Like, you never got a chance to bet him at 175. <laughs> that's that's just another layer to how they have. They have sort of cut out the knees of this um, market. And that's not to say, go bet a future. You love a guy. You think a guy. You got a feeling. You know something about L.A. Country Club or, or where else we're going. That's perfect for somebody. You know, tell me. Leave it in the comments. I'm yeah. not afraid to waste money on some stranger's suggestion yeah listen if it wasn't for some stranger we wouldn't have that will it bet right away we, we would have waited like five days and the odds would have been worse true sometimes it pays to listen to strangers on the internet other times it doesn't you can bet as Tom i found cam at 30 to 1 to win the masters 35 at 35 oh. to 1 at DraftKings sportsbook value what's That's actually one that i know some people like they got some hundred to ones on the PGA championship. I don't have that would, in my opinion, be the most prevalent um, golf future. Like, you know, our, a guy like bear off is just sitting on Tom Kim hundred to ones PGA championship. Well, when we talk about the PGA championship as well, I think that's, that is the one for Tom Kim as well. If he's going to win one of these four, just based on the setup and what happened in 2012, <laughs> 2011 at that course i know it's been changed since then but it was like short hitting accuracy players with good irons who did really well that year duffner won beating furick 
Um, so Tom right. Kim can yeah, most, Tom Kim can most definitely win an event like that. Yeah. <laughs> if it takes like if it's guys who play well at Heritage and Colonial, yeah, Tom Kim should excel under those circumstances. I do want to before we get to the rest of the majors, I want to talk about the injured guys. Uh, just very there's three of them that I wanted to bring up. Zala Torres has been injured for ages, and Dan, we haven't seen Daniel Berger in like six months. I, I totally forgot he was hurt because I forgot he existed. Yes, he um, withdrew a lot and kind of just disappeared. Zalatoris, you've seen through the interwebs and the Instagrams and the announcements, he's playing Tournament of Champions. So you know, he'll be ready for, for the, he'll, he plans to be healthy for the big events. I don't know anything about Burger. I'm not really on the Instagrams. I don't even know if he's been posting straight vibe and boat picks. But if he's healthy and there's inflated numbers, I'll, that's a guy it's easy for me to bet because I'm a, I'm a sucker for that. And is Tiger Woods an injured guy? Well, we're going to do is we're going to separately talk about Tiger. I don't want to lump him okay, in with Zalatoris and Berger. At least those are like up and coming guys. It, it, I guess the question is, who is this year's Scheffler? The breakthrough guy. Is, is it just Zalatoris? Is that the, the easy answer to all of this? He should have won fucking yeah, seven times course. last year. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, Zalatoris, Matthew Fitzpatrick. Like, what do we? I mean, Fitzpatrick. Talk? Although Fitz- Scheffler didn't even have a win last year, Fitzpatrick has a major, so yeah, that's not that, fair. That, that seems unfair. Sung Jay. Maybe, maybe it's just Tom Kim. Maybe Tom Kim has jumped the line. Tom Kim, like Max. You know what? It could, Cam Young. I mean, Homa has Cam Young fits the profile of not winning and being really good in so many hard events that's true like it cam young gets his one win then the floodgates open and if we talk about homo homo's won four times like it's i, I know he doesn't have the major break maybe he's like more in the major breakthrough category but like i said sheffler yeah. didn't have was a bad uh, suggestion he didn't have a win let alone many wins which would necessitate an entire rack i don't know what he's going to do with a win rack until he starts getting some wins but it's a tough scene for him. I'll see what it was 125 to one for the PGA championship. So I don't know. How do we define the chef? What are we defining the Scheffler? winning your first major or winning five tournament? Like, what are we, what are you defining it as? Cause I, you could argue it in many ways. Well, I, I think it listen, it's always going to be a loose suggestion, whatever it is, but he went from being a player that everyone liked and everyone bet all the time to getting his first win, to getting four wins, to getting a major, like, right away. I don't think you necessarily uh, need to win the major, but to win, like, two or three times this year. Like, Zalatoris is the obvious guy. Yeah. Zalatoris and Cam Young fit the, like, the the line of succession the best. And you, some would even say Zalatoris winning at St. Jude could be a disqualifier, but... Um, you know, in betting Zalatoris to win the Masters today would be a lot lower than what it would have you could have gotten Scotty at a, like Christmas time last year. Sure, but a lot of that is baked into Zalatoris has played in the Masters twice and he's finished top 5 twice too. And yep. he, he was he, he almost won like there's outside of the Open Championship like there was a real chance that he won all 3 of the first majors. <laughs> well and Tory Pines. And Tory Pines, yeah. <laughs> he didn't. Yeah. I, I would throw I would actually throw uh Taylor Montgomery as the low end candidate into that mix. I think he's really good. Like he's a bomber who can putt. Like that that goes well. Look at Cam- Cameron Champ has three career wins, and Taylor Montgomery's way better than Cameron Champ. This probably might be way too good of a player who who's, may have already won too much. But could does Hovland count, or is just way too popular and good already? I mean, dude has like fourteen career wins or something internationally, doesn't he? 
Yeah, I just like I mean like a guy that like just wins like five of seven straight events with a major on the PGA. I don't know Robert McIntyre. If yeah, we're yeah. asking for a Euro, Bobby Mack, maybe, maybe Davis Riley. Ooh, I like that. Davis Riley was if a year ago Davis Riley was my pick, as it probably was a lot of people's picks to be like the corn fairy guy to do what Cam Young did. Not that I actually expected any of them to do it, but if I had to pick one last year, would have been Riley. Uh, I'm still very bullish on guys like Riley, Taylor Moore. Um, you even mentioned Montgomery a few times already. I- I'm bullish on a bunch of them. Mito. Didn't Mito go to live? Uh, did he go to live or th- did he just have dinner with live players? I thought he went to live. No, I'm let's see. He's a no, he says PGA tour. I thought I f- swore he went to live. But no, I guess not. I don't know. I guess if Neiman wasn't on the PGA, I'd say him, but he's won a couple times too. Yeah, but I, I think Neiman would fit that. Neiman's won, what, twice in his career? So it, it, like, you can kind of point to it different ways that some of these guys mirror each other. Like, I think that Neiman's career was mimicking what we saw from Tony Finau a lot where he just had these great finishes, but very few wins that came along with it. Victor Hovland's career so far looks a lot like Justin Thomas's early career. Remember when Justin Thomas was the guy that couldn't win in continental USA? He was that guy. Yeah, he he went it. in Mexico and Kuala Lumpur and in South Korea. But once you got to the United States proper, he, he won in Hawaii. He just never was going to win. And then it just happened. Then he won two majors. <laughs> I agree with that. I would probably fight back on the Finau um comp only in that Fina was such a late bloomer that it was like well, a totally they don't need to be the same fucking age it's just the same trajectory that they went through guys started earlier. I guess I mean I don't want to do this but like no one has Finau's trajectory and path like nobody the guy was a big breaker so two two gloves he was 28 Tommy... before you saw him on TV so Tommy now two... we meet these Tommy guys, two gloves we meet Neiman at like 19 Okay. Throw him out then. No, I, I didn't mean to get like passionate about it. I just like the Fino trajectory is like, it's a one of one. It kind of feels like. I'm just more talking since these guys arrived on the PGA tour, what their careers look like and that can mirror each other. Yeah. I, I think Neiman in some ways I would like put up against Hideki and like, we met him so young. There's no school that like he's, we've met, we, he could, he probably feels so much older than he is like some of the South Koreans, because we met them as a baby. Unlike some of these guys that actually go to school in the States. Maybe. Hell, I mean, now that he's on live, it's going to be tough to do any of that. But at least Hideki was piling up his like waste managements and like he had won the Memorial, things like that, and been competitive. And all. I guess Riviera is a pretty decent comp for something like Memorial at the same time. So, yeah, and he had his Greenbrier win. Hit that one. That was nice. I think you hit both of Neiman's wins on the PGA. Oh, that Riviera win was great. I hit Riviera and Hoagie at Pebble, and then I went ice cold till, uh, like, uh, JT at the PGA. But then we we came through in the summer. I I feel like that was the start of my run of, like, I think I had 11 second-place finishers last year. Morikawa at Riviera was one of them. That's a guy who could, like, rebound in a big way this year. I'm really praying for it. He's my favorite player. So I hope that he does well, but... He came so close so many times last year and just couldn't break through, which is so odd. I guess it really does show you the luck that it takes to win 
on the PGA Tour and win these big events because everything that could have fallen his way did for like an 18-month stretch. Yep, absolutely. And then a full calendar year without the the win. So if we leave winter months and he still hasn't won, there might be some noise. There might be some noise there. Um, Yeah, as the season was ending, people were really... I wasn't one one of them, not that I hit up the bets I made, but people were just like betting it, ready for it to flip. Like, it's got to flip. It's got to flip. I, I was that guy. I mean, I probably didn't lose more money on any player in 2022 than Colin Morikawa. Now, I didn't win more money on any player ever, probably, than Colin Morikawa the year previously. So it's not that big of a deal. But yeah, you get so used to a guy winning and closing when he's close, you forget that like, oh, yeah, this can go the other way, too. Just like Scotty Scheffler can't win. Guy sucks. Oh yeah, he can't lose a tournament. They hasn't won a tournament since. <laughs> yeah. Like when he got beat by Sam Burns at Colonial, it was like, what is happening here? Oh yeah, that was a yeah, that was a weird weather Sunday too. Yeah, Burns got out early and posted, and everyone ended up falling back. There was someone who was running away with that too. I feel like maybe it was Scott Stallings, because Scott Stallings had that hot run for six weeks. That was li- that was a little later than that. No, I, th- I think that was the beginning of the Scott Stallings run. Yeah. I, re- I really do. Let's see here. Stallings. Where are you at? Oh, there's a Stephen Stallings Jr. as well, according to Fantasy National. FantasyNational.com slash Mayo, by the way. There's a complete, complete reboot coming. Yeah, the, the Charles Schwab. Scott Stallings came in fourth. He went fourth, miscut, miscut, eighth, fourth, tenth, thirteenth, miscut, second. It's a good run for Scott Stallings. Probably got back on the gear. Tiger Woods. When is the first time we're going to see him play? Riviera? You think so? Well, you think he actually is going to play Riviera? Uh, yeah, I don't know. He's going to play. He's going to play. He's going to play before the Masters. I have no doubt about that. He looks good for for what you would he got, the guy couldn't walk to play in the hero, so he didn't play. That was like two weeks he's ago. Plantar fasciitis. That's I. You. I can't stand. I don't want to do that because there was such a line that killed me. Oh, I'm one of your like when you're doing your sh- and I say dumb things all the time, but Cam has a prevalence for like referencing when he played and his team <laughs> got its ass kicked and how they would battle back as a locker room. So you listen. To, so you ref- you listened to yesterday's show. <laughs> yeah, I've listened to it already. I thought it was a great show. That was a good show. It was a quick listen. I love the show. I love you guys. You do a great. You do a great show. And I don't know how you could like any comparison to like you, you like junior midget, you know, just below OHL level comeback to, to NFL, but I've had plantar fasciitis and it's the worst. So I hope tiger's rolling iced water, like frozen water bottles or golf balls, or he's probably got some fancy machine that's wrapped on it. I don't know. He had plantar fasciitis. You can't walk with that. You can't. You no, can't, I under- let alone if you have a bad knee. You could really screw up your knee if you attempt to do extended walk. Like, if you have a bad knee and attempt to do extended walking with plantar fasciitis, you could do a lot more damage. So, yes, he's broken, but he'll he'll play before the Masters. I hope. I think. That's the thing. We all hope that happens. And, listen, it's just one thing after another compounding with Tiger. It's the back. It's the knee. It's the hip. It's now his foot. Uh, that yeah, I'm shocked he didn't just go get some of that, like, 
uh, shockwave treatment and get the sound waves in there and break up the plantar fasciitis because uh, that's what a lot of people are doing. Like, I don't think we need to revert back to put your foot on a golf ball and try to work it out. That's my dad had to do when he had it. But I, I get that's why, and listen, it's probably not a time to really push yourself and potentially hurt yourself even more at the Hero World Challenge. Not that big of a deal. I do find it strange, though, that, like, he's the host for Riviera, although it's the course where he's been, like, the worst at in his career. Yeah, so maybe he has no intention of playing. It's just, I guess, corporate-wise, corporate, corporate -wise, it's a perfect... Like it's L.A., it's Tiger. It's like yeah. a perfect synergy for him. But you're right. It's not like you would think it would be Tory Pines, maybe, that he took over or his foundation attached itself to. Um, well, let's try to plan out Tiger's schedule here because I, before he went away, I don't know, the third time, whenever it was. When, when did he make that run at Wyndham when Davis Love won that year? How, what year was that, like 2016, 2017? You remember that? He, he wasn't at Wyndham that year. He was in bed with. Well, he he played he played the Wyndham one year and came like fifth or something like that. I forget. Yes. What, forget what year that was. Anyway, those are the types of courses he should be playing. If he listen, maybe he doesn't think. I think he thinks he he can still compete and be the best. But like playing Torrey Pines and Riviera, these long daunting courses, just he's never going to have a chance at them again. That that's not going to happen. So why not play the Sony Open? Maybe that's that's too small time of a tournament. But like the Honda Classic would have been perfect. Can that just be the Tiger Woods Classic? Honda Classic, Heritage, um, Wyndham, all you mentioned Colonial, Wyndham, Sawgrass. I know he would never. I know he would never do it. But if he wanted to take privacy to any of those, um, like the Aaron Badley tour, who's the guy that wins all the Bahamas events? Oh yeah, the uh, like Corrales. Yeah. Is it the, yeah. The alt events. Yeah, he's never he's never going to like that. if he really if he was desperate to get to that number to break Sam Sneed, he would play in, in some of those. But I think you're right. I think he wants to play where the in the in the sort of premium series, bigger, bigger events. And I'll say this. I the Champions Tour has got a decade to figure out how to incorporate a father son major into their schedule. <laughs> I think there are three options for him. And maybe we see him at all three. Maybe we see him at none of them. I don't know. I do think that the Genesis at Riviera is probably the first time that you would see him. Bay Hill would probably be number two, and the players would be number three. But because the Bay Hill and the players are so close to each other on the schedule, that he's probably not going to do that. I like to see him back at Valspar. You played well at Valspar that one year. The yeah, year. That, that year, uh, uh, Paul Re Casey. It's the year that... Uh, we had Patrick Reed, and Patrick Reed, Patrick Reed lost to Casey when he made the putt up yeah. the hill, and then it came back down the hill on the 72nd hole. And Corey Connors was, I think, maybe leading that Sunday for a little bit. Yeah, him, um, him and Snedeker were making a run that year. Uh, yeah, no, Valspar would be perfect. Florida, if he wanted to do the Florida swing that, you know, we say like the European tour through Florida, those courses would be perfect for him, most of them. Stock PGA Championship is, is at Oak Hill this year. As I mentioned a little bit earlier on, uh, just to kind of go look back through time, Jason Duffner won in 2013 at minus 10, beat Jim Furyk by two strokes. I think that although the course has changed, that those two players in general are very telling about how this might work out. That's why I mentioned someone like Tom Kim. Sung Jay is another one. This does seem like the type of course, and maybe this won't play itself out this year. Maybe that's an outlier when it comes down to it. But like David Hearn was 
tied for third. He shot off the lead after the first round that year. Like, short-hitting accuracy players. Duffner used to be able to putt back then, but he hit every fairway. We knew his irons were on fuego, and he made a few putts. Those are the players that you, I think, have a better chance at competing at this major than probably any of the other four this year. Jordan Spieth Grand Slam sounds like it could be in play. Spieth's not accurate. (laughs) Yeah, listen to this. Here were the top four players uh, by the end of it. Duffner, Furyk, Stenson, Jonas Blixt. Oh, wow. So (laughs) what are we looking at? The Matthew Fitzpatrick versus... Brendan Todd. Versus Brendan Todd, but like Xander Shoffley could be representing America coming in here. I mean, it could um, it could be a really nice ROM tournament. Cause... I like the M suggestion. There's an M fifty to one that 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 like blindly is an instinct that that I don't mind here. Um, I'm not running to bet it. Victor Hovland. You're gonna say Hovland for every single major, so you might as well just bet him now. Hovland and Zalatoris over 30 to one flirting with 30 to one will have my attention at every major. I mean, there is a, ve- based on the, the description I just gave you, there's a very high end version of this player. He's 16 to one, but like, this is a Morikawa event, isn't it? Oh yeah. A- yeah. Accuracy and sure. irons where length doesn't matter. <laughs> You're 100% right, Pat. And you should go, uh, does DraftKings not have a 20 on him there? DraftKings does, but uh, obviously I cannot use DraftKings Sportsbook in the uh, the province that I am in at the moment. Yeah, I know that. Um, you're right. Like blind eye, first description. It does sound like a Morikawa versus Fitzpatrick if we're talking about the high end players. But um, I, I do, I do think this one actually does lend itself to someone down the board because of the skill set. Like, Scott Piercy was fifth that year. David Toms was tied for fifth. Like, a very simple formula to the guys who did well. Maybe the course has been lengthened and changed, and that's not going to be prevalent a decade later. But I do think it's pretty telling that that's the type of player that just populated this leaderboard. So, yeah, you're so like your Adam Scotts, your Abe Answers. Yeah, um, a- answer, Corey Connors. I don't know if Connors can putt enough, but he kind of fits that mold as well. Corey Connors, this would be a place, uh, you know, five years ago, I'd have money on Sergio. Yes, absolutely. You probably still have bet uh, Jim Furyk at that point, too. Let's see. Wu Kim 160. That once, oh, once, I thought you said 60. I was like, 160 doesn't mm-hmm. sound very good, but yes, 160. If it's a well, it's not it's not coastal, but now I, I've so far down the board. I'm looking at Tom Hoagie 190. I thought you were going to say Aaron Wise. People, there's a guy that we didn't mention in the breakout players. Uh-huh. I, I think that people feel like he has broken through because they bet him every tournament. Yeah, Aaron Wise. Yeah, there's a there's a fan club of his that that's rocking. Uh, we some of our closest pals in the space. Are yeah. deep into it. Listen, you, you get latched on to your favorites. I, I understand how uh, it is. Who are some guys? Like, who are some high end guys? Russell Henley, Connors, Answer, Todd Morikawa. And I don't think Neiman's as accurate as you think he is. Berger. If Berger's back, irons and fairways, that's all he does. Basically, have you, mm-hmm. can you play well at Colonial? Sounds like you will play well here. Tiger. That's a name. You want to bet on Tiger at forty to one to win a to win a major? No, but I know odds checkers a friend of yours, and I just popped open their grid, and there is an eighty 
Um, no, I'm not running. I'm not betting that either. Uh, just putting it out there. Um, Xander is a good yeah. look for this one too, because Xander of like the longer players is the most accurate. Him and Rom. Yeah. Is yeah. it so? It's not hard. Is it? Well, I'm sure it'd be plenty hard. Shane Lowry. I don't. Are you just Xander? Are you just reading the names? Are you just reading the names on the odd sheet in descending order? No, I'm not. I'm just trying to think of guys that um, you know don't need to that are really good players that can sometimes be penalized in some of these bigger events by their lack of 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 great distance. Burger fifty to one. I don't like those odds. Connor sixty five to one. I don't like those odds. That's the problem. Like you're gonna have to wait for these ones to come back to earth. You know what's interesting here? Actually, just 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 to describe that type of player, Billy Horschel is a hundred to one. Yeah, like that, Billy. Hor- that's a good look. That's a good look because I was gonna say, like Billy's a hundred to one. Tommy Fleetwood sixty six. I love Fleetwood. They should probably be the same number. And neither of them are probably right. So Billy, a hundred to one. I think I'm going to make that an official play for the PGA Championship. He's won enough big tournaments that he could win. Like, where he, is it? It's like a, state again. What state? Like, New, where are we in the country? New York, just outside of Rochester. Ooh, Ooh la la. So Phil. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Los Angeles Country Club is host of the U.S. Open this year. Same odds for everyone across the board, basically. But this is a pretty new venue to what we're kind of doing here. I'm just trying to look at it. It hosted the Los Angeles Open um, if last in 1940. So that's nice. Uh, Cl- Clayton Hefner, uh, if you're playing some course history here, was the last winner. He won it plus two by his stroke. Actually, no, he lost. Clayton, Clay- Clayton Hefner was second to Lawson Little. But it is hosting the... U.S. Open. The Walker Cup was here in 2017, if that's what we're going to look at. Uh, the captain of the U.S. for the Ryder, the Walker Cup team that year, Jeff. Do you know what his name was? Patrick Cantley? I don't know. No, it's, it's some old dude. Spider Miller. What a name. Oh. But here were the guys on that team for the U.S. Cam Champ, the Gim Reaper, Doug Gim. Mav McNeely, Colin Morikawa, Doc Redmond, Scott, Scotty Scheffler, <coughs> Braden Thornberry, the Panda, Nor- Big Norm, and Will Zalatoris, along with Stuart Hasglad. That amateur always plays like 50 years old now. I guess that. Yeah. I guess that. Anyway, th- that was the team. It's a good team. So those good are the team. guys who are going to have the experience well, at on this first, course. On first look, does it fit the profile that U.S. Opens have kind of been beholden to since we kind of started doing our podcast. I don't know. So it, I, I don't. I don't really know anything about this course because blindly I just bet U.S. Opens. It's the same guys, like Brooks. really long, really straight. <laughs> Brooks, your DJs. Uh, you're right. I was kind of presumptuous on Neiman for the U.S. P for the for, well, who am I? Tim U.S. PGA for the PGA, but but. I've watched Neiman go out in those feature groups and hit it past DJ. Uh, so I love him at a place that would demand long and straight. Tony Finau, I love at a place that's long and straight. Victor Hovland. Like, I-, I can make a U.S. Open betting card right now, assuming it's the profile of every U.S. core, every USGA 
selection since we started doing this thing. It doesn't have what the actual specs are for this course right now. It says it's 7,200 yards par 70. That doesn't sound as long if that's the actual if that's the actual distance for it. It sounds pretty short, actually. Yeah, I don't know. Is it the type of course where Kevin Kisner is like, if I come 20th place, that's first place? I don't know. I, it seems like it might be an, an equitable U.S. Open based on that distance. That brings a lot more guys uh, into play. That'll be a warm one, summertime in L.A. But isn't that what we got Father's at the U- isn't that what we got at the U.S. Open this year? Like we had a huge mix of types of players near the top of the leaderboard. Like it came down to Scheffler. Zalatoris, I mean, Zalatoris plays well at every major. Anytime you get a hard course, Zalatoris plays well. And then you had Matthew Fitzpatrick winning. Denny McCarthy was inside the top 10 for a while. I think he may have finished there. So it's kind of an Morikawa was right up there. He's not a big hitter. He, I feel like Morikawa felt like a live body for a bit on that Sunday. Yeah, because Tim, Tim backed him to win on Saturday, and then he shot like 78 on Saturday, right. and then he rallied back. I did think he finished inside the top 10, but that one was kind of all over the place in terms of the skill set. It wasn't the bomb and gouge type u.s open that we had seen previously connor's in the top 10 there you have a computer you can look this up you know yeah i do (laughs) i know the problem with yeah all these which really good player do you want to plant your flag on at christmas i'm not i'm not asking you for a pick i'm just asking you to talk about the tournament with me paul yeah no i I know but i think everything is at every tournament so far (laughs) By the way, I will Jeff's lose a lot of money on, on him this year. I'll you lose a lot of money on him this year. I like that you've brought him up for every major so far. When we talked about breakthrough players, he wasn't on your list. No, Pendrith. Of course. That was a joke. But Pendrith actually might be a decent sneaky play. I'm sorry. I might bring up Pendrith way too much. I should get a shock every time I'm going to do Pendrith this year. Because I like to think of how much what we would probably think of Pendrith if he wasn't hurt for so much of last year. I mean, that can go one of two ways. More exposure that you get to him. You're like, oh, fuck this guy. I don't want to bet on this guy. He's kind of a loser because he just blows up at the end (laughs) of every tournament. But when you see him in a limited sample and he has like a nice three-week run, he's on the President's Cup team. You're like, holy shit, this guy's really good. And we might look back and be like, what were we thinking with this? And he's Canadian, so he gets shoved down our throats extra. Oh, yeah. Ted, when we and I'll shove him down your throats. Open championship. Was this the last time Rory won a major at Royal Liverpool? <laughs> or did he win no, the U.S. Open it, after wasn't that? It, it was the PGA on the dark. Wasn't that the last one? Yeah. With Phil, it, Phil complaining and Ricky? Valhalla. What a great tournament. Because PGA was after the Open Championship then. Yeah, because he won both of them in 2014. Uh, it was the year that he won. Tiger won in 2016. This is the Open Championship where Tiger hit driver once a week and just hit four iron stingers off the tee. And just dummied everyone. Finished minus 18 that week. Rory finished minus 17. This is known as one of the harder courses in the Open Championship Rota at Royal Liverpool, but we've actually had some exciting tournaments here. I, I'm actually very excited for this Open Championship. Love it. Love the Open Championship. Love hearing it's uh, at one of the harder ones in the spot. 
and you'll Sad love we've lost you'll love the top three from Royal Liverpool in 2014. It's a real who's who with Jeff Feinberg faves. Rory, Ricky, and Sergio. One, two, three. <laughs> wow, that's that's some good uh Rory, Ricky, Sergio. 2014. Adam Scott. So Adam and Ricky's Ricky was top five ever. Yeah, that was the year Ricky was top five across the board at all the majors. To look to the top ten, Furick and Fowler were the only two Americans inside the top ten that year. Okay. Well, we had a lot of guy go. Well, we had Furick, Eduardo Molinari, Schwartzel, Dubesson, Shane Lowry, Graham McDowell. So, like, you didn't have to be overly long. A lot of like real linksy style players in there, though. Yeah, so I would quickly, my eye quickly would try to find, you know, Hatton, Lowry, sort of where they might be at this point of the year on an odds board. Grace. Um, for that event. Who? Brendan Grace. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, if you're looking for someone deep, I assume he's like, what's, Ryan Fox is 100 to 1. He's a very good links player, but 100 to 1 doesn't really seem fair. They're not listing Grace. He's probably not in the tournament. That's why. Uh, who down this list is a really good links player? I mean, I don't want to bet Patty Harrington. J- Jordan Smith is like, he's 150 to one. That doesn't, that seems to have, Will, it's 150 to one. Will, it's a good links player. Yeah. I, 150 to one doesn't seem great. No, but there's no one over. I mean, w- once we get down to the 250 to one range, we're looking at like Lee Westwood and Stuart Sink and Arnos. Like that's that's the highest it goes. Like Kitty Yama's like two hundred to one. Min Wu, you know what? Min Wu's one hundred and eighty. Min Wu's a great links player. That's actually not a horrible bet. Thank you. Like it, you're right, it feels so crazy to say, but sorry, I don't know if that's not a horrible bet. That's a really good like deep suggestion. That that's how I'll leave that. Yeah, like, I, good, I, deep as you've pointed out, I don't want to make a decision on which great player I want to back right now this far out, but. I mean, I would even give Morikawa a look. at He's 25-1 to 1 at this tournament for the Open. I mean, he has an Open championship. Obviously, he can play this style of golf. You know, but I obviously just want to bet Morikawa over and over. But where's Minwoo? Yeah, Minwoo, 180-1. to 1. I think that's probably okay. the best look from down deep. Him and Moronk. Moronk is down there as well at like 200-1. to 1. Pat? Mm-hmm. The year, remember the year Tiger broke his leg or he had the accident? Yeah, and we had on that on that Christmas show, we bet him to win the Open Championship. Yeah, I remember. But that. I think we cashed out before he got in his car accident because we're like, these are we'll get these like these reports are bad. Um, we don't want this, or I don't even remember. But yeah, that's all. And if you're just saying it's a really hard course well, well it's, it's, it's it's known as the harder like one of the harder courses but i just showed you two examples where the last two winners were minus 18 and minus 17 it's no different than the old course where yeah you can win at minus 20 some years you can win at plus one <laughs> i guess it's obvious i sort of make this a tiger thing but it's like easy to say he's way more likely to win the masters than this but i don't think it would be i would put this really close potentially even not above the masters i think that might sound crazy well i think it's 
pretty clear that Tiger, if he's ever going to win another major, it's going to be an open or it's going to be the Masters. It's not maybe this PGA Championship with the way that it's set up. But if I'm him, I'm not even playing the fucking U.S. Open anymore. Like that just leads to injury. That, yeah, unless they give him a cart, you're not wrong. Like he should not play. He should just retire from U.S. Open golf. Maybe he maybe. Um and I don't know, there's a product of the majors are so tightly compacted. He had to bail on a couple of them, right, last year? Because the body just wasn't holding up. Yeah, like he he withdrew after round three of Southern Hills. Southern Hills wasn't bad because just anywhere where the like it's going to be so punitive to hit it into the rough and you need power to get it out, like that's what's going to cause him to break his fucking back. Like the U.S. Open is just going to have that U.S. Open rough and he's not going to be able to hit out of it. Um, damn, we get like 160 to one on other majors for Bobby Mack, but I'm seeing 80s here. <laughs> 80s, I mean, 80s pretty bad based on his play, but he's he, pretty bad. Again, a, a very good. I would be looking at like just at, looking at that list. I would be looking at some sort of like link specialist to win. Would maybe I should know this. I, he's won an open championship, but would you consider Louis Eustazen a really good Lynx golfer? How has he done like the Alfred Dunhill over the years? The the Oprah, the British one, not the South African one. I feel like he's done pretty well there. I feel like yeah, I, mean, I feel like South Africans by and large are pretty good Lynx players. So I'm seeing like Louie in the 65 to 80 range. I mean, that would be something that maybe has my attention, but I'm making no bets as we talk through this show. I haven't convinced myself of anything. Uh, you mentioned the Billy Horschel previously. That could be something. Yeah, don't sleep on Louie just being cooked as well. Just took the money. Yeah, farm life, just total Got his back. Got the money. He's happy to go. So here are the past champions and, like, good players at – the Alfred Dunhill uh, Lynx Championship, which takes place in, I think it's October in Britain. The the three-course rota between, what was it, Carnoustie, Carnus- the old course, and some other jabroni course that no one cares about. Kingsburn Golf Links is the other one. Ryan Fox won this year. Noren was second. Willett won the year before that. Hatton was second. Uh, Vic Perez beat Southgate. Berg- oh, Beer Garden. Lucas Beregard. Remember that guy? He beat Fleetwood and Hatton. Hatton beat Ross Fisher. Hatton beat Ross Fisher. Thorbjorn Olison beat Brooks. Um, Oliver Wilson beat Tommy. Rory and Richie Ramsey. Brennan Grace has a win there. Martin Keimer has a win. Patty Harrington has a win. Like, all guys that you would associate with good Lynx golf. Like, really. Guys yeah. who have played, like, crap throughout the course of a season. And when we get to the open championship, it's like, Oh, there's that guy who's T nine. Yeah. It kind of feels like it won't matter what Hatton has done up until that event. He will be shorted big time there because myself and a lot of people consider him pound for pound, arguably the best links golf player on the planet. Yeah. I mean, I think that Rory is probably the best links player on the planet, but okay. that's or Rom. Like Rom, right. Rom has an immaculate links record. <laughs> Yes, and also, like, let's also recall, Alfred Dunhill is a pro-am. Yeah, but it's actually a competitive pro-am, unlike Pebble Beach. Okay, it's worth noting. But I just mean some, like, pin location, like, things at pro-ams are not what they normally are. And to take a pro-am and say, now go compare it to use as an argument for a major, some people could say that's insane. But it does, it's hard to quantify who might be the best links players on the world. And 
that's one of the fairest barometers out there is that tournament. Yeah, I, I think you'd be better off looking at the Alfred Dunhill Lynx tournament, playing on these Lynx courses, than taking something like the went like the uh, PGA BMW PGA at Wentworth, which is like a tree line tight course. <laughs> yeah, like they could be in Florida or just one of those classic North American classic tree lined golf course. Yeah, um, it's just a different yeah. style of game. It doesn't mean the same players can't do well at both. Hatton's done well at both. Rory has done well at both. Good players play well at. You don't need to be a great links player to win at a links course. You just need to be a great player. But you do. It's almost like where the accuracy guys get a bit of a boost at the PGA Championship this year. Like predominant links style players are going to get a boost at this year's Open Championship, where they didn't at last year's Open Championship because St Andrews isn't that type of course. Yeah. So I guess as we're pretty much wrap this up, do you think we'll get a major winner over 60 to one this year in any of the tournaments? Yes. I think it'll happen at the PGA or it's going to happen at the open. Okay. That's awesome. I think that these two courses are geared for that kind of thing. I think the PGA yeah. is probably the most likely. And last year at the PGA, Mito was the hundred and hundred to one on the last tee. Until so, until you know, it was in, almost in, right there. Until he got on that last tee and someone said, It's over. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Mito. <laughs> poor, poor Mito. <laughs> All right, that was fun. I, I really like talking about golf. I forgot how much I enjoyed this. Yeah, I was gonna literally just say that I'm as excited as I've been for the new golf season in a while, and all it took was just talking about golf. And you know, <laughs> to to kind of cap it off, once we stopped talking about live, I started having a lot more fun. I agree. I agree. Um, but we'll see if that's that's possible. Again, as I've said to you on the other shows, I am. It's like a new approach. I, it's, it exists. I don't like change. I don't like any change. I don't like when websites change. I don't like anything. Um, but I've accepted the change, and we're at that point, and it exists. And when it's on versus a shitty event, sometimes I catch myself watching it. And I, I don't know. I'm just. I love the discourse about it, even though I guess it bothers me. And that was fun to talk about without it. Oh my god, let's go. I don't want to do this. All right. FantasyGolfChampionships.com to get into the giant one and done. It's already over 20% full, and it starts at the Sony Open. So if you want a spot, you best get in right now, okay? FantasyNational.com for all of your stats research, lineup builders, any website you want for gambling or daily fantasy. Easy stuff. FantasyNational.com slash Mayo will get you 20% off. You can find everything down in the description. We'll be back next Monday with the golf draft. And then, hey, Tournament of Champions on deck right after that, okay? I'm Pat Mayo. He was Jeff Feinberg. Thank you for watching. Smash the like, and I'll see you next time. Have your experience. Experience!